As I stated last Lord's Day, we looked at Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13, and today we want to look at verses 14 through 20, but to make sure that we have the, the context clearly before us, I want to begin with verse 1 once again, and we will read from verse 1 all the way to verse 20 of Mark chapter 5. Remember, this is the holy, infallible word of God. Give attention to it. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar... He ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you to, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who were seen, who had seen it, described to them what happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And he, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has made mercy on you. And went away and began to pray, proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Let's pray. 
Our Lord and our God, we would ask that our own hearts would marvel with respect to the work and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we focus our lives upon him and his kingdom. And may we know that his kingdom is forever and is the priority of our lives and existence. Bless us this day. Nourish us with the activity of our Savior. In Christ's name, amen. Who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Who owns every beast in the forest? Who knows all the birds on the hills? It is the one who declares, I am God, your God, as the psalmist points out in Psalm 50. Furthermore, we are told in the prologue of John's gospel that all things were made through him, referencing Jesus Christ. And without Christ was not anything made that was made. Every believer who understands Christ's own rule in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the creation of the beasts of the earth on the sixth day of creation should have no problem with Christ executing his dominion by casting legion into the pigs, which in turn makes them head down the sea and drown. After all, Christ truly owns those pigs more than then the herdsmen own those pigs. Jesus is the sovereign over his creation in which he is free to do as he wishes to the beasts that he has actually made. Although this is absolutely true of Christ's authority in heaven and on earth, we must be careful to see Christ's sovereignty integrated into this historical event and truly understand its significance for his entrance into the creation and the inauguration of the kingdom of God. So how important is Jesus, his gospel, his kingdom, as it enters the Gentile-dominated area of the Sea of Galilee. Last week, we focused upon the supernatural battle between Jesus and Satan, as we saw it in terms of legion, of the demons. This week, we want to take a closer look at the response to Jesus' action upon legion, witnessed obviously by the herdsmen of the pigs 
as well as the man who was possessed with an unclean spirit. Before we do, let us quickly note an interesting pattern in Mark's narrative thus far. Mark begins Jesus' formal ministry with an exorcism in the Jewish world. Chapter 1, verses 23 through 28. Then as we saw, in a sense, the same language as that exorcism back in chapter 1 is used to rebuke the sea. Then he performs, to be, uh, in a sense, an exorcism of the sea. Chapter 4, verse 39. And then Jesus' ministry into dominant Gentile country begins like it did in Jewish country with an exorcism. Chapter 5, verse 8. So we want to keep in mind as we proceed this morning that Satan is the first enemy of the kingdom of God. With this before us, let's begin by looking more specifically to the interaction between Jesus and the herdsmen. It should not be surprise us that the herdsmen are not happy about the action that Jesus took that very day. Jesus has just destroyed their livelihood, the economic basis of their families. Their pigs are drowned. Their pigs are dead. Jesus' action with the pigs will most likely not also be very well received by the broader community. As to be expected, after such a significant event, news will spread by word of mouth into the community. They did not have text service in those days. (laughs) It went by word of mouth. So immediately upon witnessing Jesus' action, the herdsmen flee quickly into the city and inform the people about what has just happened. Verse 14. Does human nature ever change? (laughs) Can you imagine the conversation over the reports from the herdsmen to the people in the town? Jesus did what to the pigs? (laughs) Jesus performed an exorcism on that insane man hanging around the tombs? You mean the man who could not be bound by shackles and chains? And Jesus put the legion of demons into the pigs and they ran down the hillside into the sea and they drowned? Congregation, you can imagine the talk. (laughs) Couldn't you herdsmen (laughs) stop Jesus from doing this? (laughs) Could you herdsmen not at least save some of the pigs? (laughs) As human nature loves to check out an incredible situation, you know the language. 
We need to go and check this out for ourselves. So many people in the city and the country go to see Jesus. And also they want to see what has happened to the demon-possessed man. Verse 15 of our text. As they arrive on the scene, notice that Mark directs the reader's attention to the demon-possessed man who had for a long time exercised his rage upon the mountains and in the tombs of the area, cutting himself with stones. There is no doubt that they are shocked as they observe the man. He is clothed. The one who ran around naked, terrifying people, according to Luke's edition of the event, with his loud, annoying cries. He's just sitting there calmly and peacefully clothed. What is going on? Now, please note the Greek words appearing together here in the phrase, clothed and in his right mind is to strongly register upon the reader in light of the drama of this particular story. The point here is this. Unlike what the herdsmen and others have seen before of this man, the present and actual condition of the man has been completely transformed into a sane person. He is dressed, and he now has the ability to reason correctly and clearly. He appears to be mentally healthy and possesses the even ability to behave responsibly. The appearance What they saw as they looked at the man was so astonishing that they were fearful. Sensing that all of them were in danger in some way. After all, the man is now completely rational. And the demon that was within him went into the pigs and they drowned. Jesus seems to be Someone we should tremble and fearfully come to know that he is a dangerous person to have in our community. Look what he's done. So as these people see the formerly demon-possessed man, human nature overtakes them once again. They request that the herdsmen tell them once again what happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. Verse 16. You see, you see, they, they got the story in town. Now they come out to see the demon-possessed man. They see him, and now, wow, now... Will you tell us again? You can see it. (laughs) Tell us again what, what happened to him. Tell us again. Now catch this. As the people demand the herdsmen 
to rehearse what had happened, the Greek here is extremely important. They are asking the herdsmen to describe how, by what means did this happen? That is legion going into the herd of pigs and they drowned. How did this happen? Well, all the evidence points to Jesus. Jesus made it happen. The man possessed with the demon was insane before Jesus came. And now Jesus in some way placed the demon into the pigs. You now see that man is absolutely sane. Oddly, it seems that everyone was better off when the man was insane with his violent antics. The pigs were not in danger. Their economy, their livelihood was still intact, verse 16. So they beg, meaning they plead, ask earnestly that Jesus depart You see the point, don't you? They want Jesus out of their presence now. Key word, presence. Now. Oh, congregation, the hostility to Jesus and his glorious gospel raised by sinful Humanity. Here's the question for us. In this event, are we here this morning, are we able to rise with a right mind into the supernatural realm of the coming kingdom of God found in the person of Jesus Christ? Are you able to do so by the Holy Spirit bringing you, yourself, into this very text? Please listen. Those who observed Jesus' actions that day were mere spectators of the event. I ask you, Are you just sitting here this morning? Mere spectators to this event which has been read in Holy Scripture about your Savior? I plead with you to grasp how Mark is using the verb for seeing in our text. In verse 14, The people come to see what had happened. In verse 16, the people who had seen the event repeat to the people what they had seen. But in verse 15, 
when the people come to see and saw the demon-possessed man, Mark uses the connotation that they looked at the demon-possessed man as just spectators. Just spectators. Are you getting it? These Gentiles are only perceiving with their eyes. They do not possess eyes that truly see the identity of Jesus and his kingdom. Congregation, do you see it? The parable of the sower back in chapter 4 has concrete realistic application into the historical events of Jesus' ministry and the ministry of the church. The parable of the sower is applied to this event. There is no fruit here in the lives of the herdsmen and the people of the city and country. The cares of this world, their desires and hearts are set on things in this world. The deceit of things in this world chokes their minds and their hearts from understanding what an extraordinary supernatural event has just occurred before them. They are blind to the good news. Their hearts are hard to repent and believe. The same problem exists for the modern critic of Christ's actions who wants to place their agenda of animal rights on this text, as well as those who wish to attack Jesus for not caring for the economic livelihood of the people. This passage, this passage is not a good passage for those who wish to make Jesus into a Marxist a socialist, or an example of social justice for democratic capitalism unless the social justice crowd can prove that the pigs were owned by the aristocracy. (laughs) The modern critic of Christ with their agendas cannot produce fruit in Christ's kingdom. But in contrast, in contrast to these spectators is the man who Jesus has brought into participation with his own person. The king and the kingdom that he has ushered into the world with his own coming. Now will you come with me this morning into his participation? Will you not be a spectator at this point?
Are your eyes eyes open to truly see the power and truth of Jesus and his kingdom? We have already noted the profound transformation in this man when those in the community came to see him. He is seated in a calm and peaceful manner, clothed and displaying a right and rational mind. He is totally sane. Jesus has brought him into the vertical glory of his redemption. As Jesus complies to the people's request to leave their region by boat, the man comes to Jesus and begs, earnestly requests, that he can go with Jesus, verse 18. You see the important contrast here, do you not? The people, the Gentile crowd, begs, earnestly requests that Jesus leave, verse 17. But the man begs, earnestly requests that he himself be permitted to go with Jesus. What a contrast in the narrative. But Jesus rejects his request. He does not permit the man to abandon his own friends. Are you hearing Jesus, the evangelist, his command here? Jesus is commissioning the man to go home and tell his friends how much the Lord Jesus Christ has done for him and how Jesus had mercy and compassion on this man possessed by legion. You see, congregation, the priority of Jesus' coming and his supernatural kingdom is more important, more important than a herd of pigs and those who own them and oversee them. The eternal significance of Jesus His eschatological kingdom has now dawned. It is like a treasure hidden in the field or like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, in both cases, sold all they had to possess Jesus in his kingdom. If I may invoke the parables from Matthew chapter 13 into the text as application. Remember, the conquering of Satan is not the last enemy that Jesus came to defeat. He is the first enemy. The event before you is about understanding the priority of Jesus and his kingdom above everything else. 
and the heavenly realm of eternal glory defeating the evil one as the gospel The good news enters the final era of the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. That is the gospel of God going into the nation's Gentile country. Satan and his companions are seen here in the text as the prime hostility to the gospel. And only the Lord in his loving mercy, in his loving compassion, destroys this opposition. Only this man, elect in Christ, is now transformed by the authority and power of the divine Christ and sits fully clothed with a rationally corrected mind, a mind that is now conformed to the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Thus he is commissioned by Jesus to spread the good news to his friends. Please carefully note, as the man followed Jesus' command to evangelize the gospel, he does not make it about himself. Jesus told him to tell and report and announce that the Lord in his mercies, what he did for him to his friends, And as he moves into the Decapolis, Mark makes it clear that his proclamation, his preaching, is all about Jesus. Jesus' action on his behalf. And those who heard his message, as the text says, marveled. They were amazed about the gospel. In contrast, in contrast, the herdsmen and their companions were fearful about Jesus and the man. What are they saying to Jesus? Depart. Depart. Get out of here. Get out of our presence. With which side do you identify with this morning? Open your heart so you see and believe the triumph of the gospel that Jesus is orchestrating upon this man. Jesus is not allowing this man to become the 13th disciple. 
He's not allowing him to go with him in the boat. In fact, Jesus is leaving him behind all by himself to spread the gospel into a hostile world dominated by Gentiles. His commission, Christ's commission, resembles an event in the future when Jesus will depart into heaven and the gospel will make its way into the world after Pentecost by preaching. Preaching what? Preaching what? The person and the activity of Christ's gospel kingdom. Verses 19 through 20. You understand how important it is this morning not to be a spectator here. We prayed for wayward children this morning. What do you know in terms of God dealing with his people in terms of the concept of rebellion? Don't you remember? Read the prophets. Don't you remember what I did in terms for the people of God in terms of the Exodus? Don't you remember, rebellious child? What Jesus did to Legion. That's what they're to remember. Our covenant children must be raised in a way that they never forget the works of God in Christ. Why would you live like the Gentiles? in this text. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what happened to this man. Don't you, as a covenant child, want that all the days of your life. Jesus sends this man and this man goes out and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know 
how many chapels and academic situations I have sat in over the years and heard personal testimonies. How many personal testimonies I have heard as people have brought in in terms of the gospel. I can't number them. I cannot number them. None of them have I ever heard talked only about Jesus Christ. Everyone I heard talked about them. Not this man. Not this man. He goes into alone into Gentile country and speaks of Jesus. And yes, what Jesus has done for him as a transformed person. You see, this man is essentially the first missionary to the Gentiles. The Greek word for proclaim here in verse 20 is the same word that designates Jesus' own preaching in 114 and in 38, 39 of the first chapter, as well as the future preaching of the apostles, chapter 3, verse 14. Indeed, the man is transformed and commissioned by our Lord to be an evangelist of the victorious and liberating authority and power of Jesus and his kingdom over evil, the kingdom of Satan. Yes, this victory is secured solely by the mercy and grace of God in Christ. This triumph and true understanding of Jesus and his kingdom takes priority, priority over all earthly and worldly livelihood. This man knows it. And he preaches it. How about each of us? Where is your heart and life right now? Yes, the marvel of the man, this man's message is really the marvel of the gospel. Is Jesus and his kingdom the highest priority in your life. Well, let's ask Christ through his spirit for help. Our Lord and our God and King, you have sent to us your Son who is the King of the kingdom. We ask, O oh Lord, that our hearts 
would be set upon who we worship. Jesus, the living and exalted Christ, conform our hearts to following him. We ask, O Lord, that thou wilt be a blessing unto us in our daily walk. Conform us to the mind of Christ Jesus. A life of love unto God and servanthood unto each other. In Christ's name, amen.